0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting
1: bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And we're here. Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. We're excited that you're here with us again this week. And it's been a really crazy week. I got a lot of stuff going on as always, and so does Seth. How was
2: your Easter set? It was good. Uh, I told you last time that my 10-year-old was playing cello with the church orchestra. Yeah, yeah, orchestra. that's cool. Yeah. And so we thought he was going to practice on Sunday morning. It was actually, he had to play at church and <gasps> we didn't know. You didn't tell that yeah no, we didn't know either
1: he, <laughs> no. oh oh they just kind of like threw we got it at the church
2: at and he was he was up there gonna he's playing with the band but good thing he practiced and uh yeah, he did great i have a video of it it's really cool
1: oh that is really really cool he i sat, think it's nice yeah
2: he sat in with the orchestra and played and it was really nice
1: did they ask him now to come to practices <laughs> like i can't <laughs> just step in every sunday no
2: because they only do the orchestra like a couple times a year oh so it just happened to be easter and christmas so and their their cellist uh disappeared so he stepped in yeah it was great it's great experience for him and he's gonna have his spring concert coming up so it's cool
1: oh that's really cool
2: and also we did a little uh a little easter egg hunt around the house i uh outside the house i hid the eggs and they were uh my daughter was sleeping so she missed out and she forgot about it which is good but uh yeah i video my son he found the tough one in the gutter (laughs) 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 but i made the mistake i bought uh I bought these eggs, they're Paw Patrol eggs. I was like, okay, they have candy in them. Worst candy ever, it's disgusting. Oh, dude, that's of course why they my put son it loves those it. Eggs. I was like, you can eat one, and then I'm throwing out the rest. It's like, where's the chocolate? I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I totally blew it, but they had fun, and uh, it was good.
1: Yeah, we had a big Easter egg hunt. We usually do. We have. Um, I think we put out, I'm just counting in my mind, I think we put out over 80 eggs. Wow. So my oldest grandsons, now that they're like 10 and 12, or actually. Where's the money? Exactly. <laughs> so it's dollar bills, and then the big, big prize egg that my sons, I make sure my three sons hide, like, really hard, is a $5. And then Ooh. my uh, little grandchildren I did pennies, dimes, and nickels because they like putting them in their bags. But it's so funny because the ones that, like, okay, so they, the oldest grandkids get 20, 20 eggs. Then the rest all go to the little kids. And you see them pick up the eggs without the money. <laughs> and they know the difference. Of At course. like two to four, they pick them up. They're like, ah. I'm going to to the next. Yeah. It was fun, though. We had a great, great time. It was actually sunny. Which was like a total and complete shock because we haven't had any sunny weather. So. That's true. Yeah, I was really super excited about it. and You know, it was fun. Mail manager mom had her usual good time, cooked up a storm. So it was a fun time with the family.
2: You remind me of my son used to call it Pinkie Bank.
1: Pinky Bank. Pinky Bank. Oh, that's cute.
2: I took them roller skating too yesterday
1: oh we did the boys yeah dude i would have gone with you i have my own skates
2: yeah i don't want to be seen yeah, with you I didn't outside think did. Of here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: anyway but uh, it's great you know I,
2: I was kept i was skating behind my four-year-old and i was like picking him up, like not letting him fall and i realized oh he has to fall yeah, yeah like, you yeah, can't yeah. learn how to yeah, roller yeah, skate yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to fall so you i just let to. him start falling and he, he actually likes falling he's like oh cool i got himself back up and he got some balance going so it was good, good do, do ice skate? Uh, a little bit i mostly was a roller skater roller blader
1: um i roller blade, roller skate and my sister and i were huge ice skaters so when it comes to ice skating i'll go with you,
2: you just reminded my, my daughter's name is talia so she she always says i talia so i can't only think about that movie i tanya
1: <laughs> she just walks
2: around saying i talia I,
1: I, like, all right,
2: I said just don't hit anybody in the leg with a stick
1: <laughs> yeah. she's a wild thing <laughs> she, she will bit. be doing that as well yes probably oh wow so um everything was good I, I we have a great guest and this woman like she is so awesome she flew all the way in from minnesota not just for us i'm sure but still it's big pretty, sky country yeah i'm pretty impressed i'm pretty impressed you there. come in from another place to see us that's pretty cool get that everybody we're cool anyway <laughs> um today's guest is an incredible woman and she has an incredible story dr shannon Klingman is an obstetrician gynecologist from minnesota who is shifting the narrative on how and why people stink yes ma'am or yes sir as the founder and inventor of lumi an all-natural aluminum-free deodorant dr Klingman discovered an outstanding odor control product that solves solves odor control i mean cut this in that solves odor concerns below the waist and also an extremely effective under underarm deodorant it's with excitement and pleasure and we're so happy to welcome and we hope you love new york dr shannon Klingman.
0: yeah and i hit myself with a mic on that one yeah thank you Thanks. welcome thank you very much you guys are so warm here Warm really? hearted.
1: Us, D- just us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I think this is, a,
1: this <laughs> is York, the warmth yeah. pod of yes. New York City. <laughs> it's just an,
2: our on-air persona. Yeah, yeah, so
1: yeah. We're not really. I'm kidding. kidding. Wait until we get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what do you think of New York
0: so far? We're really enjoying it. The people have been very nice and the coffee's good and the bagels are even better than Minnesota. Uh, it's the water. Yeah. Dude, they, they always say it's the water in New
1: York. Did you have pizza yet? And after that, not yet. Not yet. But that's on the list. Maybe tonight we'll have pizza. You need pizza. Yeah. <laughs> pizza is a need here. And in fact, my mom's always like, bring a pizza home from the city. But by the time you get it home, it tastes like you got it out of box. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. So let's talk about you and what you do. So... You're an OBGYN doctor, which is an obstetrician, gynecologist, and you're married to an OBGYN doctor, which is an obstetrician, gynecologist. Yeah. And so you really do know what it's like. What made you start this journey? What made this, this whole deodorant smell products, how'd you get started on it? Well, you
0: know how something gets in your mind and it starts to, it bothers you and it won't leave oh, you alone. absolutely, <laughs> Seth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ouch. So I got into, you know, I was in my residency training and I, I recognized that. You know, women are coming in with complaints of odor, no matter what the reason was for the visit, whether it was just their annual pap smear, or sometimes an OB visit, or a bladder infection. But they would often bring up, you know, sometimes I notice like I'm a little funky from time to time, a little odor, maybe I have an infection, I don't know, I am have a new partner. And you test them, and you know, the, it's a really imperfect way to uh, try and get at what's going on when the testing that we do is so, so uh, absolutely imperfect. And it bothered me, and I would say, Do you guys ever feel like we're just randomly treating every woman with odor with antibiotics and just, it goes away, but none of the lab tests really confirm it. Right. And so carried on with my training, you know, go see 10 more patients, you got another patient waiting. And so you just continue to see patients and that frustration started to build and you start to accept it like, I guess this is just the way it is. Because in my training, nobody questioned it. And then I got into private practice and I thought, okay, enough. I'm noticing that time after time women have said they've been treated for conditions like bacterial vaginosis in the past and yet they're saying it comes up like I mean every six weeks I'm noticing it again or around my period or when I work out or I have a new sexual partner I notice this odor and it comes up from time to time and my doctor gives me antibiotics but it always seems to come back so Fast forward now, my husband and I are trying to have a baby and we're having frequent intercourse. And I mean frequent because, you know, we're OBGYNs. We know how to get it done. So I was post-call, up all night, hadn't showered, sat down to go to the bathroom, and I noticed that odor that women complain of. And I thought, do I have bacterial vaginosis? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm a doctor. I think I I have this, you know. So because that odor was so familiar. And then I uh, did some checking around, and I realized that this odor was all external. The vagina was fine. I had, it was not a vaginal odor. It was all external. And then I came home and said to my husband, you know, I think the reason BV is such a pain in the butt diagnosis for women that they just can't seem to shake it once they're given that diagnosis is because this odor happens very commonly with day-to-day activities we engage in, like intercourse or working out or with our periods or not showering. And this is an external odor. What would it take to prove that? And it's like, nobody's ever talked like that before. Right. So we hired a lab to help us out, and we discovered that those odors that women experience in day-to-day life are indistinguishable from the odors that women get when they have an actual vaginal infection. Oh. So it's no wonder doctors are overdiagnosing this condition. Right. So then I thought, OK, so if it's an external process, nobody's talking like this. I would talk to my partners about it, other OBGYNs, and they would say, like, well, yeah, you know, but it's, that's not what it is, though, because it's that kind of fishy odor that smells like BV. Uh, and so what I decided was well, there's an external solution for this if there's, you know, an external problem. So I created one and went through all the process of testing and developing all that and then determined that Lumi blocks that odor reaction 100% for these types of odors that happen basically between our butt cheeks, if I can be so frank.
1: Right. So wait a minute. How do you create that? I mean, how do you start that process?
0: So with a lot of self-discovery, I think it all started with being raised by a a woman who was an RN. We talked about anything. I was very comfortable with my body, checking it out. Then I'm a gynecology resident, you know, so I'm, I'm living it every day. And I'm also a woman very comfortable so it was a lot it was just some self-discovery and some checking around and really getting to know where are these odors coming from you don't even want to know right I, I know. you know what? Yeah. <laughs> what i'm looking at her thinking don't say anymore
1: yeah. <laughs> stop enough. right there yeah. yeah so okay so how did you know what was going to block it so i had so what i looked at
0: was the type of odor molecule that's formed it's a long word called trimethylamine okay tma And there's other conditions where trimethylamine is formed. And one of them is in individuals with uh, metabolic conditions where they can't metabolize certain proteins. And when those proteins reach the large bowel, anaerobic bacteria in our larger bowel, you know, the the stinky part of our guts, uh, digest those proteins, they release this molecule called trimethylamine. So I looked at the chemistry of how the bacteria actually interact with these proteins that are found in semen, blood, the the nitrogen containing things in urine, sweat, and how bacteria digest that and what's necessary. And I created a hostile environment for it with my product. So the bacteria are there and the bodily fluids are still there, but they don't dance together and odor doesn't form.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So, looking
0: at it that way, yeah, is I a mean, little different. But how did you know what c- chemical to use? So, it went to my kitchen, and I started just working around, looking around with some things in the kitchen, and uh, the first rough draft of Lumi. Uh, basically burned my skin but it solved the odor problem oh wow (laughs) so then I, i worked with formularies and we just we take that reaction between bacteria and bodily fluids we knew that it needed to block that reaction it also needed to be safe for the skin and so i consulted with a friend of mine about it and he said you know you need to write a patent and you need to get in touch with some people who can help you formulate this and so that's what i did Uh, And without giving away any trade secrets, of course. Yeah, uh, Lumi is very innovative, and we think about odor in a whole different way. We're not thinking about end odor, you know, like products will they'll solve body odor, underarm odor, and they're they're uh, masking it or covering it up with fragrance, or they'll neutralize odor after it happens. Right. People will focus on foot odor. That odor molecule is different from what forms in our underarms. Odor molecules that form in different parts of our body are different. But by taking that reaction back to the bacterial level and inhibiting how they lunch or metabolize these, these fluids that lead to odor, we were able to solve odor anywhere on your body. So That's a, so, Shannon, this is all natural, right? You got it, this from your kitchen. I got it from my kitchen. And you know, there's things in it that uh, when we started off, I didn't need to have aluminum in it. It never even occurred to me to put aluminum in it because I was solving odor below the belt. Uh, and so when we had it clinically tested and we discovered that it was also a superior odor control product for underarms, we thought, okay, so what do we need to do to make it an appealing formula? I don't want it to stain my clothes. Right. It's got to wash out. Right. I don't want heavily scented fragrance oil cover-ups. Right. Don't want, you know, so there were some things, some pain points and some things that I wanted to have for myself because I, I'm a stinker and I'm a major sweater. And I, so I needed to have a formula that was appealing to me in that way. And it just ended up, we started off like, should we do an underarm product and a feminine hygiene product and a foot product? But then it ended up, it was the same formula.
1: Oh, (laughs) wow. So there's no reason
0: to split it out.
1: That, that is incredible. And actually she sent it to me, Seth, and I've been using it for two weeks, just so you know.
0: Oh,
2: thank you for doing that. You're
1: welcome. It's incredible. It really is. (laughs) Thank you. You know, at first I thought, "Mm, I don't know. Then by like day three, I was like, holy cow. This is working out. Now, the one thing is people say, well, do you, because I've been telling everybody, do you sweat? Yeah, you're going to sweat. Right. But it's not, you're not going to smell like sweat at all. So it it really does work. So there's a component in uh, all these natural ingredients that is actually blocking the odor or it's actually just dispersing the odor. Like you don't even have the odor to block.
0: So the odor never forms. Yeah. So the odor is something that uh, people have been trying to solve this. And I think that the reason we have been so successful is because more women are getting into leadership positions and they're looking at things through a different lens. We will, I think, find in all industries that our problem solving abilities will improve.
1: I think it's in, it's incredible. It really is because
0: as women are, you know, we go to the gynecologist. Who else, you know, has their feet in stirrups with their knees apart and their bottom right in the face of a doctor oh, right. three <laughs> feet away? And so you're thinking, if if men had to go through that, I think this problem would have been solved back in 1850. Right. You right. know. Right. And you know
1: what? Who would know it better than you guys than doctors, that's especially right. gynos? Like yeah. That's what I thought of when I saw. It. I hate to say <laughs> it, but that's the truth. But you know what? Now that you're saying that, since 1850. Hmm. You told me that nothing has changed in the in the deodorant smell since 1850? Well, it started the, f- the whole feminine
0: hygiene industry really started in the late 1800s with a product called Lysol. Believe it? Yeah. 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 It is true. That's probably some guy's idea. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Put that this is Lysol true on. <laughs> so, well, not even on up inside douching. What? They were using Lysol for douching and women died and were poisoned oh by my it. God. Uh, they marketed these like torture machines that you kept in your next to your bathroom, like a toilet bowl cleaner, and it was a douching pump, like a oh butter my churn. God, you know, you increase the pressure and, poof, mm. you know, and so, so w- w- and there it wasn't uh, it wasn't a good scene. And then when women started having problems with it, they decided that they should des- be recommending you dilute it out. Oh, so you yeah, know, yeah. But the ads they took out were like you know. Debbie was a wonderful housemaker and mother, and she was a wonderful cook. But she neglected her vaginal hygiene, and so now her husband must leave. Oh. So he's like walking out the door with a briefcase, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I wrote that.
1: No, oh. I know it's funny as heck. Oh
0: so God. it started that way, and and then the products that have since followed still continue with that same narrative of vaginal odor, vaginal concerns, or feminine uh, odor. And they've made it portable. They've made it uh, something that is maybe a lot less toxic, but but still wrong nonetheless. Because a great study came out in 2007, I think you'll find interesting, where there was a group of women that had vaginal complaints. And they were blindly given off to doctors, where doctors didn't get to see them. But it was a complaint of odor or itching. And a sample of their vaginal discharge was given, and the doctors evaluated it. Doctors overdiagnosed bacterial vaginosis 61% of the time, and they overdiagnosed yeast infections in the vagina 73% of the time. Holy cow. So d- we know that doctors are overdiagnosing, and we know that they are wrong more than they're right. right. And so this, it was just, was fell right in line with my suspicion of, is this an external process? And then if it is, which we prove that it is, can I develop something to solve that, which we did? And then through clinical testing, discovering you can use it anywhere on your body makes it appealing for men and women. But the thing that I love is that it's changing the narrative on feminine hygiene for women.
1: Absolutely, that's bizarre. And you know what, I went on your site and you have some really, really powerful testimonial letters on there. Mm-hmm. There was one that I, I thought was pretty interesting. She was like, I've, I've had this problem since I was 14. I actually wanted to commit suicide because I was bullied so much having this problem and that your product worked. That has to mm-hmm. make you feel like amazing.
0: It, it makes me feel like there's a reason that I went to medical school. And I enjoyed private practice a lot, but I think I'm 48 years old and think, man, I'm old. You know, When you (laughs) compare yourself to these young kids in their their mid-20s, while I still feel like them and I can talk to them and stuff, I think there's no way at 25 I would have ever had the life experience, the wisdom, the confidence to be able to do what I'm doing now. And so when I hear from these women, I think they're talking to me. Right, they're they're talking about me. I see myself in them. I struggled myself with body odor and finding products that worked, uh, and I felt like I went between really strong BO to other to products that I would use where you get like that, you know, floral or baby powder ocean breeze mixed right. with BO in right. your clothing. And had the stains in my underarms, and you know, it was. It, so I can I can identify with them, and so when I hear from them, it makes me feel like I'm doing a good work.
1: Right, and you know what's funny too, because when my using it, I noticed you don't smell it after an hour or two, right?
0: No, we we are fragrance oil free, so there's nothing permanent there. Right, the essential oils that we use are lavender and clary sage, and it fades within an hour.
1: Yeah. And And it's pretty much
0: goes to nothing. Which I like
1: because I'd rather have like my body lotion or something else have the scent than like some heavy underarm thing. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of my friends have breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say almost every one of my friends either is getting over had it or is, you know, in the process of treatment. Mm -hmm. And they all question the aluminum and deodorant for blocking, you know, any kind of um, underarm, you know, blocking sweat. Your lymph nodes are there. Mm hmm. Is that, does, do you think that makes sense? I
0: think that there, there probably is an element to that, even though the studies have all shown that there is no causal link. I think it's like many things. There has to be a genetic predisposition. And we don't know, what does aluminum do on the gene level for people who may already have a predisposition? And so my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 40. And you get really straight right away with what you're putting on the, lar- the largest organ of your body which is your skin. Right. And while that's not the reason I developed it, uh, I didn't avoid aluminum because of breast cancer. Uh, I just developed this product and it just happened to be aluminum free, which is what people are looking for. Right. But as an OBGYN, I do think that it is not a good idea to put a heavy metal on your skin every day. Right. So if you could, I was sweating past the aluminum anyway. I still had right. big baloney. St- I'm a wet sweater marks. too yeah. because
1: I work out all the time. So when you work out and you do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. your body automatically, when you start walking or doing anything, starts metabolizing. Right. right. So I've, and people are like, well, is it, am I going to sweat when I wear it? Yeah. But guess what, my friend, your body's made to sweat for a reason. Right. And I don't understand why people don't get that. It's like, you know, you breathe in and out. Okay, (laughs) the bad stuff's coming out. So I'm like, you need to sweat. Your body needs to sweat. Right. And they don't like that. And but. it
0: is—it's a—it's an once you get comfortable with that, where the perspirations there, like sweat happens, but odor doesn't have to—is what right. I what I tell myself is that I would ha- I stunk no matter what. And when I was the medical expert in Minneapolis for one of the TV stations there, I would get off the air and I literally would have like an eight inch ring under my pit, and I'd be like, "This is I'm using a clinical strength antiperspirant here, and <laughs> nothing's gotten this, right? you know." So I thought I'm wrecking my clothes with the aluminum, and so this is a good thing. So when I started using the feminine hygiene product that I developed on my underarms before we had had it tested. I'm saying is this possible that this water based cream that's basically a lotion is eliminating odor for me? And it was. But my clothes didn't stink and my I didn't have those yellow marks and it was it was good. So for me it's a win. I like the total body odor control aspect of it and I love that it's a lotion and it's virtually undetectable
1: after you know you rub it into your skin and i think it's awesome and the fact that you invented it as uh, for for below the belt Mm -hmm. basically yeah and then you went to the underarms then i read the story or i saw the story about marin Mm -hmm. and you let me tell you something nothing really makes me cry Mm -hmm. tough as nails damn it (laughs) but (laughs) shut up seth but um marin's mother like at the end i was really choked up because Mm -hmm. i would be devastated if my kid was getting bullied or felt left out, or explain to that, our audience a little bit about Marin's story. So we launched
0: uh, Lumi in October of 2017. So we've just been on the market a little over six months. And I got a phone call about three weeks into our launch time from a mother. Actually, it was a Facebook message that I initially got saying that you are really onto something here, um, that she's not writing me this on behalf of herself, although she did try it, and she loved it, and she knows that it worked for her. Uh, she has a five-year-old little girl named Marin who has a very rare metabolic condition called propionic acidemia. And the condition is sh- so rare that she gets involved in these case studies with the National Institutes of Health. And she oftentimes is having to volunteer her daughter up for clinical studies and um, for trying new testing and, and looking for a cure. And there's a lot of metabolic conditions similar to Marin's. But in, in Marin's case, it was so rare. There was like one of, she was one of two people in the country that had wow. it. And so, but the compli- the side effect for these individuals of, uh, with a, of a medication that they have to take to prolong their life called L-carnitine is that they smell li- like rotten fish. And Marin was diagnosed when she was just two weeks old. They picked it up on a newborn screen. So the life expectancy uh, for her, had it not been picked up, would have been five to six. But because it was detected with a newborn screen, the ability to intervene early on uh, got treatment on board really quickly. And so they started the L-carnitine. And from that moment, she started to smell like fish. And she's like, her mom, honey, said, you know, you can imagine you bring your new baby over to meet family or the friends see her at Target. And it's like, oh, your baby. And then they kind of, oh, here you go. And they give her back or they don't want to hold her. Yeah, how sad is that? And then growing up, it meant the healthier she was, the more carnitine she needed, and so the more, more odor that they noticed. And she was concerned for her future, but she was just so grateful that she was healthy. And when she put her into school uh, in kindergarten, the kids were all nice, and the teacher was nice, and they were excited to have her, and Marin was really glad to be in school, and Honey was over the moon to have her in school because she was now 5 years old, and she was approaching that age where a lot of families – lose their children. But Maren's future looked really bright. Right. And she had a teacher that then commented to her that while they loved Maren and she was just recently, you know, confirmed to be pregnant and she struggled with the odor and didn't know if she was going to be able to have her in her classroom anymore. And to watch that and to have children say, can you go sit over here? Can you not sit by Mm me? Uh, Was really difficult for her. And they tried Lumi. After seeing us uh, on an ad, somebody had uh, posted that their daughter had a rare metabolic condition, and they discovered Lumi, and it worked. And I, did, I knew nothing about this, but Maren saw it, tried it, or Honey saw it and tried it on her daughter Marin and she said, and she's been odor-free with one application for three days. Unbelievable! You, you wow, are, yeah,
2: that's amazing. That must make you feel so good,
0: right? Marin is my uh, my testimony to being worth it. Right, she's. Uh, because what was so remarkable to me was that it was the science that causes the odor for Marin that I used to develop Lumi, that fishy odor, that right. trimethylamine, which doesn't have anything to do with underarm odor. You know, this is a different odor pro- reaction. And so the fact that it, she was able to use it uh, made me feel like, you know, wow, this was, th- this was bigger than me. This little seed that got planted, you know, it's 20 amazing. years ago that now is here.
1: Wow, she, she rocks, Seth, right?
2: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, we don't have that big a brain. <laughs>
2: uh, I do have a question, though, uh, going back. You mentioned that um, yeast infections are misdiagnosed like 73% of the time. How, is that laziness or is it, is it is it getting a false test, false positive? I mean, I'm just curious.
0: I think that sometimes the assumption is everything that itches is yeast and everything that smells is BV or bacterial vaginosis. And then there's these criteria that we use. But if a woman comes in complaining of itch and discharge, she's going to be diagnosed with yeast vaginitis more times than not, whether she has it or not. And I think that it requires uh, doctors to put a little bit of discharge on a microscope, maybe send off some tests, think beyond what's common, uh, and that it's easiest to go with what's easiest. Right. Uh, And that's the yeast story. With bacterial vaginosis, we use criteria to diagnose that. And there's you know, five different criteria. And there's a lot of things that will give it a false positive, like a high pH can happen in post or perimenopausal women. A high vaginal discharge pH can happen with periods. It happens after intercourse. And so you already have exposure and reasons why doctors would get this wrong. And then when they smell that characteristic slight fishy odor,
1: they think, oh, it's BV. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, they're busy, there's yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Or, okay, here's my next question. So, now her husband and her are both doctors. So, this is a walk in the park for you guys, right? <laughs> I mean, this this cost you nothing. You walked in your kitchen, you whip this crap up, everything's good, not, life is not, good. It's
2: not crap, Karen.
1: All right, rip, 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 rip <laughs> this you're right, it's not. I <laughs> I use it actually. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. You whip it up and everything's good, right? It was nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if it was easy, everybody would do it. (laughs) I think it would have been around
0: back instead of Lysol. They would have had something like Lumi back then, right? So it's cost you
1: a lot in your family. Yeah,
0: my husband and I really have, I mean, I'm almost, I feel hesitant to say it out loud, but we've risked everything on this. It's not inexpensive to file for patents. We have two patents that have been um, granted, utility patents, and we have a third one pending, and we have other uh, products in the pipeline and different applications that we're working on patenting for. Uh, and then just formulating it, all the trial and error, the people you trust that take advantage of you. Absolutely. And they sucker punch you. you Absolutely. Know? In, in the, the throat. Yeah, right in the throat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a decision to make. Am I, d- do I give up now or do I keep going? And I—and every
1: time we stand up and we keep going yeah, because we believe in it. Right, and it's 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 amazing how much you do put into something. People think that, oh, well, you being doctors, well, they have a disposable income; they can just throw so much money behind it. Blah 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 blah. They don't understand patents. Not only do you is a patent very very expensive, but then you have to fight mm-hmm. a lot of times for your patent. Mm-hmm. So then there's attorney fees involved. Like I been through this whole process because of my previous job, so I know how mm-hmm. much it can cost yeah. to get a patent. Thankfully, I
0: surrounded myself with really great people, and I was able to find a patent writer that used to work for Kimberly Clark. He he worked for Kimberly Clark for 25 years, I believe. And that's what I did. I looked and I saw, who's writing all the patents on feminine hygiene? Who's this Jeff Lindsay guy? I want him. Right. And so we contacted him and got in touch with him. And we're still friends and partners. And he's still doing the writing for us now.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But you know what, um, Shannon, in in the meantime, this has been 11 years, right? 11 11 years years since we really started. You know, we're talking
0: idea back in residency. But 11 years ago, we took our first step off the curb. Right. But
1: you still had life going on, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about like what was happening. You had you were having kids and, and married and and jobs. Tell us about your life. So uh, my husband
0: and I had the idea for Lumi, you know, actually I had it. I take all the credit. years ago Because I'm the one with the vagina, right? I like that, yes. So then when we took a step off the curb uh, 11 years ago, it really was trusting somebody to help guide us. That's when we started the patent writing process, which it's not just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, tell me your story and let's file and it's all done. Right. There's a lot of language that needs to be used, and you need to cover your bases in order to protect this idea. And we brought some investors on board that really took advantage of us. And thankfully, I mean, we, it cost us money, but we were able to move past it. Right. And then, and I think that because we weren't financially destroyed by that, we were able to save up, and we risked a lot. Uh, but then we're able to finance the process again. So now we're on phase two. And you go through rejections with patents, and you need to change your claims and such. But our patent writer just kept fighting for it. And then he had to move to China and wasn't able to work with us again. And so I had to find another patent writer who kind of screwed it all up for us. And we got a final rejection. Thankfully, he found out about it in China and got special dispensation from his employer over in Shanghai. And they said, "Okay, go ahead and mop up this mess for this family because, yeah, go ahead and, you know, you started it. Now finish it. And that he got uh, permission to do that. And he did. He stepped right in and worked quickly and got us back on track. And then um, then we were getting two and three uh, rejections. And when you get a rejection, they're saying there's somebody out there who already has a similar idea or application. So while you can manufacture it and use it, you're not protected. And so he challenged that and said, no, we're not changing our claims. You're, th- these cl- these arguments are incorrect. And just kept fighting for it and, and then got a hard final rejection. And I said, uh, OK, then we're done. And the reason I really felt like life goes on, my husband and I uh, have, uh, Julia and Jonah are little um, grade schoolers, and then we had a daughter, uh, Amy.
1: And take
0: your time. I I had quit practice when my youngest son, who's now nine. Soon to be 10 next week. Oh. Uh, We decided, my husband and I were both OBGYNs, and we were so busy with practice that somebody needed to take one for the team and be available at home to dock the boat, and that was me. So after Jonah was a year old, I quit practice and was home, um, always knowing that we were working on this project, waiting for patents and such, and not giving up. But it would have been foolish to launch it without the patent protection. And during that time, uh, I became pregnant with my fourth child, and... She, uh, we found out that we were having a little girl when she was 12 weeks along in pregnancy and her genetics testing came back that she had trisomy 21. And I always felt like as a little girl, uh, I had neighbors with kids with Down syndrome and I was like mother's helpers for them and would go and play with them while their moms did laundry or ran to the grocery store. And I really have had a heart uh, for individuals with um, special needs. Right. And it seemed like I was just always finding my way into the homes and families of people who had kids with down syndrome. And so when people would say, God doesn't hand you anything more than what you can handle. I mean, this is even in junior high and high school. I would get a whisper in my ear that would say, you're going to have a baby with down syndrome. I kid. I'm I'm not kidding you. I believe you. Absolutely. And so when I found out that Amy had down syndrome, I thought, well, here, this is it. Okay. Here we go. Game on. Right. And I, from the moment, I thought, who better? I am position, I, my heart is ready, right. and I want to raise her. Right. I cannot wait. And I just worried about her health and, and safety during the pregnancy. And uh, she was, my pregnancy was very uneventful. I was healthy. She was healthy. She had a normal heart. She had very little signs at all that even showed that she had Down syndrome. We uh, we were, I was far more worried than my doctors, is what I will say. I'm like, I was over-the-top concerned that something bad was going to happen, and they were so laid back about it that it made me feel uncomfortable to bring it up again. They'd be like, Shannon, you're, you know, you're the lowest risk of all the high-risk pregnancies we have. You need to relax. You're not the doctor here. You're not in charge. Right. And so when Amy was born, uh, and then um, this is how it happened. I was at home, and I noticed that I was having contractions, and I was so excited for her. They were coming like maybe every 20 minutes and very mild, but I started the nesting, yes. packing the bag, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, she's coming any day. It was full term, and I think today's the day. And that night I said to my husband, I'm having contractions. And he said, No, you're not in labor. I said, No, I, I mean, I'm tolerating them because I'm one tough mother. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining, but I'm having them, you know. And so I listened to her heart tones with a Doppler and the baby monitor and contraction, and I noticed her heartbeat dropped. And then we listened to it again. And so he rushed me to the hospital and made a phone call on his way there and said, I'm bringing my wife in. I'm an OBGYN, and I need whoever else is on call to come in. And they delivered me by stat C-section. And she ended up in the neonatal intensive care unit and just wasn't toler- didn't tolerate labor. And we got to um, the high risk. They um, sent her down to Children's, uh, the high risk hospital there where she could be at the NICU and be monitored more closely. But unfortunately, she just didn't recover. Um, And I just she didn't tolerate labor. She didn't tolerate contractions because I just had testing not long before then. And she was doing great. Right, right, right. So after I lost Amy, she was two days old. I wanted to die.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) It hurt to breathe. Uh, I don't know if you know that feeling, the joy you feel of holding your newborn baby, but the total opposite of that is losing them and that you you make noises in grief that you never have ever heard yourself make before. And you know your life is never going to be the same again. But yet, your kids are still saying, "Mom, I need a peanut butter and jelly sandwich." Right. You know? right, right. And you know, you're still you still got to bathe them. Yep. Their toenails toenails still need trimming, and you're still going through life that way. And so, I thought i I was just working on breathing day to day. And then we got our final rejection for Lumi, and I said to my patent writer, "I'm done. We've been working on this for uh, eight years now. I think it was at the time." and about three years of it was patent arguments and I just said we're, we're done it's I am glad that you think it's a great idea and I think it's a great idea, idea too and it's a great product but I just don't have it in me and he said I'm gonna call you back in five days if it's okay with you ask you to think about it so in five days he called me and he said I'm gonna do this because I believe in you and I'm gonna do it pro bono and I'm gonna fight for this because it's not very often in this industry of the Proctors and Gamble's and the Unilevers of the world where you see a one-off inventor funding their own progress their own their own product and the process and comes up with something so innovative that it would have taken someone some other company a a team of a hundred and you know 15 years to do with all the research and development and you've just been able to do this uh, on your own it's quite impressive and so with all due respect I'm gonna not honor your decision to not pursue it and I'm gonna fight harder so that's what he did, and he got our got me a phone call with the USPTO office, the trade office. That's amazing patent in office. itself, right? They get on the phone with me, and they asked me a lot of questions. And at the end, they said, "Congratulations, we're going to give you your claims." <laughs> amazing! Wow. So we right? had our first patent, and then the second one came about a year later, and that was about two years ago. And so now we've been just working really hard. I've been full time at this now. Uh, s- s- it was a year
1: in February. I am so, I'm just well, so impressed.
2: It's still frustrating, too, though, right? What's the holdup if you have, what is it? Is, are there legitimate claims, or they just, you just have to nag these people? and, and to
0: I think, first of all, there's a, there's an idea now in the patent office that maybe nothing new is out there, so it's very difficult to convince them that you have anything unique and novel, and it's an uphill battle, but... That's terrible.
1: But in the meantime, through I'm all so of this... so glad, yeah, I'm so glad yeah, you got I'm, through it. I'm so Thank glad you. he really pushed for you, um, there are good people in the world, thank God. But um, in the meantime, through all of this, life is going on. You got a daughter. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your. Yeah, little girl. so then uh,
0: my husband and I uh, decided that uh, after Amy, um, we were going to make our world just really small, and because people would thought you were just you're better now, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> that was six months ago you lost yeah. your daughter, you're good, you yeah. know. <laughs> And I was selling soap at the time. I was a uh, uh, like a, an artisan soap maker and making lip balms and shea butter whips and lotions and stuff, literally in my, in like the small studio within my house. And I was selling to Whole Foods and stuff, but it was very small, right, very cottage right. industry, farmer's market type stuff. And so I had been neglecting that um, through my, you know, my grief. I thought I'm going to be done with that too. I was just trying to figure out how to round it out and finish and I got asked to participate in a, an event at one of the uh, co-ops locally where I live and I really didn't want to do it because I couldn't even stand to hardly talk to people because even the question how are you doing Everybody's like, hey how are you yeah even to just say oh I'm good you know just seemed like somehow I was betraying my daughter because I wasn't good but right. yet we give these plat you know use these platitudes. So I walked in with all my soap, and I set up my display, and there was a, a person who, didn't, who called in sick, and they lost their greeter at the front, and I said, well, I'll do it. And I thought, wow, I actually volunteered for that. I must be, I'm doing pretty good. So I set up the table, my soap, and I was really interacting with people, and I laughed at something that someone said. And that laugh, in that moment, I, th- I heard, you know, and my, my voice to myself was, there she is. She's back. And I went home to my husband and I said, I did this event today and I'm so grateful that I did because for the first time in a year, I'm seeing in color and I want to live and I see forward. And he said, OK, well, hold on to your boots and saddle because um, there's a little girl that fa- of, of, there's a family that has a baby that they want to uh, uh, place for adoption and they want to talk to us about adopting her. And so we, I went into the hospital, and I met the family, and the family was awesome. It was this great connection that we had, and we adopted their little girl. Just to, and did, We didn't know if it was a girl or a boy. We didn't know if she was healthy or not, and we didn't care. We just wanted to, to raise a child, and we wanted more children, and, and uh, we felt very blessed that day. I Amazing. think that the, the angels were shining down on us that day. The whole way. Mm-hmm. The whole way. That's amazing. It was a beautiful, it was a win-win. I couldn't say enough about our youngest daughter's birth family, the connection that we had, and just the sheer uh,
1: just blessed event that it was. And it just felt right. It's amazing. It's You're an amazing, amazing person. I, I I, just think that your story is amazing. I think everything you've done amazing. And I think the fact that you're handling stink it's just amazing. <laughs> I'm bringing I, confidence I, back, babe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. But I think it's it's just I loved Maran's story like I said. It was so heartbreaking to me that a little girl would be bullied over anything like this. And then the older woman or the girl that wrote that said she was been yeah. bullied since 14. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely without a doubt because in the workplace there's always somebody that you're like, "Oh my god, he smells." Right?
2: That's the hard one to get past.
1: It is. Yeah. It's for some reason like smell is like so like a Offensive because you can't get away from it, I guess. I feel
2: like something's wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bad stigma.
1: Yeah. So how's it selling? Tell us about how it's going. So sales are good. Uh, We launched in
0: October. We're still very self-funded. We don't have, we've not taken out any uh, loans. We don't have outside investors. And so our sales are good enough that we're funding the growth. Um, and we I auditioned for Shark Tank in January they did not call me back by the way
2: well they're foolish that's what I
0: I thought for sure it went well the pitch was perfect they're like great story we're talking to the home shopping network about going on there later in the summer so some really exciting things are happening the concept of Lumi resonates with women but one-third of our customers are men so I know that they're hearing this message too they want natural for their underarms and they don't want their boys to smell either
2: Whoa! I'm, I'm into it.
0: Excellent. I, so, I want to try it. Yeah, it I
2: love the name. I love the packaging too. I want the good? website. You it looks get great. The name?
0: What yeah. is the name? The name is Lumi. Why? Uh, Lumi deodorant for well, Lumi just came because every, you know you have to come up with something that's not already trademarked and okay. looks nice on a label. So it means luminous. So it's the luminous, the brightest part of you, and you know confidence that follows from that. Uh, but what I the private parts were Lumi deodorant for underarms and private parts. I'm a huge Howard Stern fan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I
0: love Howard Stern. I'm one of those girls. I I could I can handle that talk, and then when I see him on other shows, and I was I've been a fan since the '90s, and all you know through college oh listened God, to him. When I worked and, with
1: Stern, she was her fan,
0: <laughs> and I loved Robin. And I just I f- felt like you know when that movie came out, Private Parts that that he did, uh, I knew that it really wasn't about you know our private parts like genitals right can you say that <laughs> you can say <laughs> it. yeah okay yeah. it was the private aspects of his life and that he really is a he comes across as a as a tough guy but he's really a softy and has a big heart and i've i i do not know i just kind of see through that and i'd love to meet him
1: someday oh my gosh we'll have to try to arrange that won't we so she can meet Howard and Robin or something. It would be a lot of fun. You'd, you'd be surprised. He's an he's an okay. They guy. used to talk
2: about. They used to make fun of him and talk about vaginosis on he the show. Did, see,
0: so All what I'm saying is, we're changing the narrative on feminine hygiene. A lot of jokes have been cracked at the expense of women, and I think okay, I can roll with that. The odor's there, yes, but we're gonna school you on where it really comes from. And guess what? You have it too, because he used to talk about that. And he used to talk about that on his radio program that like, I'm so hairy down there. I don't I just feel like I don't get clean. I mean, you take a shower and I still smell. Yep. And it used to say something like this. Sh- we need a product that's called ass don't smell. And I thought <laughs> that, Lumi is. that. <laughs> so,
2: there's, there's a, a morning, I got to
0: get him a sample. There's a
2: morning show here that uh, they, they put out a product called Junk Bomb.
0: Oh, gosh. True Um, story. So
1: where can you find it? Where can we get it?
0: So Lumi is available on our website. It's L-U-M-E-D-O-D-E-O dot com. So D O dot com. And it's available exclusively on our website right now. And so for right now, uh, we're not planning on going into stores for the next year or so.
1: Okay, excellent.
2: It's L-U-M-E, correct?
1: L-U-M-E-D-E-O dot com.
2: Right, but the product too, I just Googled it and I found it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have to get you some, Seth. Not that I say you you don't want to. Well, that's why I sit far away. That's why I sit this far away from you. Sit over there. Sit over there. I love it. I've tried it. I've been doing it for two weeks. I'm really happy with it. And it's seriously I'm going to throw all the other deodorants away because I think it's a great product. Thank you. And so many of my girlfriends like I said have, have breast cancer or some kind of cancer or are battling something so I'm definitely definitely going to get it for them. I think it's amazing. I think you're amazing. Holy cow I really like you. I hey, like you Minnesota too. from Minnesota and everything. But um, we'll be back in just a moment and we're going to do um, we've got mails in and we've got news and if you can hang you're welcome to hang. The One Tough Mother Podcast real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you and we're back and we have the usual headlines and headaches and we got tough brother seth with him but before we do again i want to thank you dr shannon Klingman and Lumi is an amazing story you're an amazing person and it's amazing product so I'm re- it's a win-win all the way around thank you so much for being here and you're gonna sit in with us right yes hang I'm out here, yeah yeah hang out and see you what's don't going have a on. choice you yeah. don't have a choice we make you we can't the can't doors the door. locked yeah. you're not allowed to leave so tough brother Seth headlines and headaches
2: yes you like watching tv you're hired loving to watch tv and movies is finally a job requirement Oh, where was this like 20 years ago when I could have used it?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You've been on the couch for the rest of your life. I, no, it would have been awesome. Netflix is looking for someone who possesses this skill to work as an editorial analyst. The catch is that, in addition to binging on the sh- uh, streaming giant's content, you would have to summarize and rate it. You would not only have to love binge watching, you would need at least five years of experience in the TV <laughs> or film industry and be able to write with attention to detail. Still nice work if you can get it. Um we got it, dude. Let's do this. Oh my God, no!
1: Are no. you kidding? Come on, my, this my is wife us. And it's us.
2: I, we've a couple times binged a little bit, and we have three kids and uh-huh. one coming. And no, yeah, but we can sit on, on the couch, a, no, beer,
1: wine, no. potato chips, you all get, the good stuff. You get the wrong guy. All right, forget yeah. it.
2: Not happening. I don't like you that um, much. No, I, I used to watch a lot more TV. And I don't. I'm glad that I don't. And but this would have been dream job for me back in the day, <laughs> for sure. But uh, it, you know, there are some great shows on Netflix too. I don't know if you have Netflix oh. or use it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Binging is the only way to do Netflix. Well,
2: it, but you, you, you can't help yourself. That's right. You know, and that, but that was, see, what's missing now is the beauty of TV back in the day was that anticipation of the next episode. You know, even like the Showtime something and HBO to look forward shows. To. Yeah. Like I love billions, you know, and I can only mm-hmm. really watch on my commute. That's the only time I can yeah. watch on my phone. And I'm, I look forward to it. But, you know, I could wait. But I can't binge anyway. I don't have time to binge. But there's something different yeah. about it. It's a different experience. And you know what happens also, real quick, I don't want to stay on this too long, but I had back surgery years ago. And I was home for three weeks, and I binge watched shows. They get into your brain, and like in my dreams, uh, like Friday Night Lights, dumbest show ever about high school football. Like I'm almost living this altered reality because I watched so much of that show in such a short period of time. It almost made me crazy. You know um, what?
1: I came from the industry, as you know. And here's what my thought process is on this is. First of all, I don't watch television. I've not watched much television throughout my life because it was my industry. Because you're better than me. I w- I because it. I'm better than yeah. you. And I watched it for numbers. Like I was looking for better buys or how to put product into shows. I mean, that was my whole goal at watching. But people, they watch TV to escape reality. I really believe that. Oh, yeah. 100%.
2: Yeah, yeah right
1: Right. Yeah. and they really do believe in like oh my god did you hear what so and so said to so and so on this like my daughters and my daughter-in-laws are so big on The Bachelor oh, god. and they'll be like ma ma I really watched The Bachelor so you could talk about it with it. I don't want to talk about you with it <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you
0: like grieve it I remember the show Parenthood when it went off the air I was like I missed those guys It was an illness. Right? (laughs) Yeah. You kind of identify with them, and and it's not a
1: good habit. Yeah. So, no, this is not a good job for us then. We're done with that. Okay, go to the next then, dude.
2: Okay, no, forget it. Sorry, Netflix. We're not coming. We're not. Uh, Student loans stifle home ownership. Uh, Duh. Student loans are keeping people from buying homes. Roughly 45 million Americans carry carry student loan debt. 45 million. (laughs) Yes. Average borrower, at least 30,000. Uh, CNBC reports this citing data from Student Loan Hero. Over 80% of those aged 22 to 35 who haven't purchased a house cite student loans as a primary factor, per the National Association of Realtors. Many are denied mortgages because of their debt-to-income ratio. This is a problem. This is huge. Four kids. We could do a whole show on this. All my
1: kids have student loans. Well, I think my oldest son might have finished his, but four kids, like, totally... Thank you, God, in every aspect that they came out and they had great jobs. Mm-hmm. But some of their friends, huge, huge loans, no jobs. People I know that are really big in big industries are saying, yeah, I'm still carrying $50,000 in debt. Yeah, and it's not like a $50 bill that
0: you pay for the next 100 years. It's like oh. $1,500 a month for the next five years. Yeah, you years. can't get a job
1: yeah. and they yeah. want you to pay $1,500 a month.
2: You know, it's almost like, should kids go, if they can't afford it, should they go right to college? Maybe you get a get a do a trade or do something and then go to school at night or... You know, you might be better off doing it in a different way.
1: I don't believe in I don't believe in college as much anymore. I don't either. Because th- you are so not many, alone. Yeah, yeah. there's mm-hmm. so many kids that I believe just in. Don't hi- jobs. I believe in higher
2: education, but you know, at what price? Right. There's different. There's ways around it. If you want right. to be creative, let's let's be honest. You know, going to college is an experience. Also, it's not right. just about the education. So I think that's the thing that people would miss the most. But you know, if you can't afford it, you know, why you know, bear yourself for how many years? People. 10, 15 years later, still paying that stuff off.
1: Oh, please! Abs- at least, at yeah. least 10, 15 years later, I agree. And
2: then if you so want to go to law school or med school, or my friend go to chiropractor school, you're just adding another four years on top of it.
1: Oh, I think
0: it. my total bill student loan bill was. There you go. Was doctor was, here, yeah, yeah. hundred and seventy thousand. Jesus. Her undergrad in med school, and that's not—you didn't even live in it. <laughs> <What> <laughs> I didn't saying. live there. right.
1: Right. That's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, tough. I mean, at least at least with a law school or med school, there's like. An expectation of making more money, but the, you know, the average graduate, they have to go find a job in their industry right. and start at the bottom. Right,
1: mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yep. Well, we're, yeah, I can see it. It's a duh. The country needs to fix this.
2: I started as a temp employee at my first company, making $8 an hour, <laughs> you know, after graduating <laughs> right. college. Right. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. crazy. All right. So, sorry, everybody, you know, think of, it. I don't know what to tell you. I played the lottery. I haven't won yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, could off-work email be banned? Yes, please. All right. Yes. Technology was supposed to make our lives, uh, work lives easier, but it turns out that many of us, it makes it even busier. Businesses can now hook workers around the clock almost every day of the year using messaging tools found on employees' phones. One New York City council member wants to put an end to it. According to CNN, Rafael Espinel, a, a, a council member from Brooklyn, introduced a bill last week that would make it illegal for businesses with more than 10 people to contact employees during off-work hours, including weekends and vacations. There's a lot of New Yorkers out there that don't know when their workday begins or when the workday ends because we're also tired to our tied to our phones, and tired. Yes, mm-hmm. he told the CNN affiliate businesses would receive small fines for contacting workers during off hours, payable to workers themselves. What's your take on the proposed law? Join the conversation below. I, I don't agree with this. I got to say, you got, as an employee, you got to be able to s- stick your gr- stick your grounds. Like I have a family. I. I I'm not going to be able I'm not going to be available this time I'll help you when I can
1: I agree with you dude but yeah. what are you going to do when the when the guy's like okay look I'm paying you this amount of money I want you know when I email you at ten fifteen at night answer me
2: tough noogies I'm awesome and you take me at my when I can work or you know find someone else sweeping it, streets no 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 at a certain point you have to value yourself and what you bring to the table if you're only valuable to this company 24 hours a day then it's not the right job for you you're going to run yourself ragged into the ground you're going to have a family you're going to die at 58 years old and for what because this guy because you had to answer the beck and call of this guy I'm sorry you know as a doctor Mm -hmm. stress is a killer you're going to stress yourself out like being available no
1: all right I, I agree that they shouldn't be able to contact you. I've just been in positions Can my whole it, life where they do. But makes,
2: yeah. I'm saying you have to, as an employee, have to stand your ground, right? And respectfully, you know. Look, I have a family. I have kids. I, I got to make time for my family. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. do it. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll get stuff done when it has to get done. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take time and make time for my family. Block it out, right? You just, but unfortunately, that's the life we li- world we live in too.
1: It is the world we live yeah. in. It's sad but true.
2: But for people, he's talking about. I don't know. I don't see people. You know, I think yeah. you just have to be able to balance it yourself. And if there's a if there's a problem at home or your problem with stress, you have to recognize it and, and deal with it.
1: Right. Right.
2: All right. God, this is this is depressing today. Oh, the stop. Student loans. Go oh.
1: For goodness sake.
2: <laughs> Schools battle new vaping device. Wow. The news just keeps getting better. Uh, just as the, as the rate of smoking among teams has dropped, the use of nicotine heavy e-cigarettes is exploding. Well, that's kind of an oxymoron right there, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reports Wall Street Journal, learning this trend, uh, leading this trend is Juul, J-U-U-L, a potent and cleverly marketed vaping device that comes in a deri- variety of fruity flavors. Super. Uh, parents and schools are now the front line of an effort to pre- prevent teams from using the product, the health implications of which are still not clear, says the journal. Juul's website claims that one of its pods equals about a pack of cigarettes worth of nicotine. They claim that, wow, and they're like bragging about it? Yeah. While vaping is likely healthier than smoking tobacco, its health effects are not well understood, and some researchers think that's a gateway to smoking cigarettes. What's your take on vaping among teenagers?
1: I'm not You're vaping va- the that. Va- yeah, how could <laughs> you are your <laughs> doctor? You have <laughs> seen, <you ever laughs> seen somebody
0: driving a small car vaping and they roll down the window? It looks like Cheech and Chong, are like, <laughs> and they're like, poof, you know, coming out all the windows. But I don't see how they can get away marketing it fruit flavored when cigarette and cigar companies can't do that anymore. Right? Mm, it'll, vent- know, it'll, catch, a, it'll catch. It'll catch yeah. up to
2: them. Yeah. It's. I mean, it well, apparently we're all parents here, and then it comes. The parenting comes into play.
1: They, like, my exact. He knew where I was going with yeah. that. Where are the parents? Mm-hmm. Oh. Seriously all you know, like, his friends are doing. It. It's oh, like, he's vaping. He's my, not smoking. You
2: know, not to get into this whole thing, but my you know, my 10-year-old's friends are playing Fortnite and they shouldn't <sighs> be playing Fortnite. I don't
1: know what that is. Oh, you
2: should know. Well, your kids are too old. Like, grandk- yeah. You should see if your grandsons are playing. They might oh, be. I'm going to ask. It's like a video game that it's a violent video game that everyone's playing. It's so popular that when Drake was playing it, it was, it was trending on social media that he was playing the game. <laughs> oh. It's insane. I don't like that. You know, my uh, 15-year-old nephew is playing. Oh, he might be old enough
0: it's difficult but, though because they they get it somewhere yeah yeah they're playing it at play their on the phones or now. Their phone. yeah or they're at school
2: right It's you know, a big thing now yeah. it just came out like they're playing in school like they have to, you know the they can play
1: in school on their phone is that my the son deal?
0: has his phone with him all the time. I don't get that. they should check it at the door
2: right why do you to, yeah why do you need your phone yeah in for the class?
0: classes just in the classroom you know i'm not saying that they shouldn't have it and right, i understand right. we're in a different world safety wise today maybe you know
2: but if you know class is boring you want to be able to have something else to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> why couldn't Pull you just up your throw a spitball <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. oh boy that's bad yeah yeah
2: so it's um you got it's it's tougher and tougher i'm nervous about my kids are young so i'm mm-hmm. nervous about as they get older how to navigate through this stuff
0: yeah you got to figure out how to put filters on your home internet
2: I just threaten them with violence. Yes. <laughs> That's
0: his answer to everything.
1: Yes. I want to punch him, to hit him. <laughs>
2: I will crush your phone.
1: Listen to that. Nothing that, speaks louder than blood. There you go. I am going to use that so much throughout this show.
2: <laughs> I love it, right? Yeah, really. Fear of God into them. That's right.
1: Yeah. All right. right. Let's After Seth's done beating with his kids, we'll keep going, <laughs> Seth. Give us yes. the next story.
2: I have a hammer with your phone. I and, got and, it. Yeah, all right. Go smash your phone to pieces. Okay. You don't even have phones yet. See? But his friends all do. They're 10. Like, oh my no, you're not getting a phone. You're getting a flip phone.
0: Yes. <laughs> call an <in> emergency. <laughs> Get him a, a ladybug phone.
1: <laughs> ladybug was the kind oh, of like, insect, wasn't it? Huh? The, jitterbug. Oh,
0: the I jitterbug. I like All they can
1: do is call yeah. home. They can only call home with two other numbers. Oh, okay. Like a, I fell. Like the doctor. No, I was just give
2: him a megaphone to carry his backpack. <laughs> just call me on a megaphone. and
0: yeah. us. Yeah.
2: I need stitches. I need stitches. <laughs> Great. I'll be right there.
1: Oh, what a good guy you are. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm the best. Um, here you go. The viral condom snorting challenge is a dangerous idea.
1: Oh, Here, I saw this.
2: Here's why you should never put a condom up your nose.
1: Wait, who puts <laughs> one? Of, when I read these things, I get physically ill. Why would you stick a condom you up your see, nose? You should see. I saw a visual on social uh, media yesterday.
2: I have to say, I have not seen this. Well, Nor I don't think I want to.
1: One side,
0: w- hanging out one nostril, going up through the nasal passage and passage the other part, coming down the other half mm. like this. Oh. Mm. Nasal floss. That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: I use like a nasal cleanser that goes one in one nostril out the other, but I think it's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't netty know this. Pot. Yeah, That's yeah. a neti pot. Exactly. Yeah.
1: This is a... Oh. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, the, con, the condom challenge is dangerous.
1: She's um, a doctor. Let unless, her, let her see, read okay. this one to her. We want to get her opinion. Okay. <laughs> we want your opinion on <laughs> the Condom it's challenge.
2: A, it, it's, you want to read it? You can read it if you want. No, go ahead. Well, it's, a, it's a dangerous years old dare that involves sticking an unwrapped condom on one, up one nostril and inhaling it until it hopefully reemerges into the person's mouth. Oh, from mouth to nostril, gross! Super dangerous idea, not only immediate choking hazard. Which <laughs> that just a side note. Uh, choking hazards—a f- uh, phrase we use in our house a lot. because we have a two-year-old and my 4 year olds I was like, "Choking hazard! Choking <laughs> hazard!" <laughs> <laughs> He's always screaming it out. He's like, "I can't give her this. Choking hazard!" Because he wants it for himself. Right. Yep. But condoms can also get stuck and cause more long-term damage. You think it's a chemical, rubbery? But it, it says
0: unwrapped. Unwrapped. Isn't the kids eating pods? Unwra- the laundry pods.
2: Oh, Oh, the Tide Pod Challenge is, again. Same. Parents. Party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I see my kid with a Tide Pod Challenge, he's going to have a a fist in the face challenge.
0: Right, right,
2: right, right. Sorry. I don't know. It's more metaphorically. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Um, But why? I don't understand.
1: Because the internet, well, did you read, there was one, and I don't remember, this was a year ago, where this guy, it was some really big challenge where these kids had to do like 12 steps to prove how tough they were one was like burn yourself cut oh yourself and then kill an animal what and they Hi. went up? they went and up in degrees and they said it's because they're building like meant they're trying to mentally control kids by teaching them how tough they are it was amazing when i read it it was like a year ago i was like oh my god this is so sick i don't want anybody i keep saying it. my son did where they're very good about it they don't let their kids that like just peruse yeah. uh, the internet
2: no you can't and, uh, and here's real quick Uh, The nose is designed to be the body's air filter, cleaning the air you take in before it lands in the lungs and adding moisture to it along the way. It's a delicate system that's not designed to take in condoms.
1: It's disgusting. I
2: think that should be common sense, but, you know. And that's it for Headlines and Headaches.
1: All right, so then we've got mail. And mail's in. Is mail in? Mail's in.
2: Uh, Yes, it just got delivered. All righty. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. All right, email number one. Dear One Tough Mother, I have a sticky situation to ask you about. I have condoms in my nose. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> gross. <laughs> my neighbor of 22 years owns a home repair company. He builds decks, remodels houses, does replacement windows, and more. You name it, the guy does it. He is super talented. Well, last fall, Bert saw me standing on my porch looking around. He walked over and asked me what I was up to. So I showed him that the floorboards were starting to rot and that steps were getting wobbly and beginning to pull away from the porch. He said, hey, neighbor, that's no big deal. We'll take care of this for you immediately. Why would you ask anyone else? It only takes us three days, and we'll give you our friends and family discount. I instantly took him up on his offer and told him uh, to let me know immediately what he needed to start. Well, that all happened in the beginning of September, and no work was ever done. In fact, I reminded him a couple of times last fall, and he said I was his next job, but nothing happened. Well, now it's March, spring, and summer are coming, and we want our porch fixed now. I saw Bert yesterday, and I yelled, Hey, Bert, how you doing? He threw up his hand and quickly walked into his house without saying a word. It seemed he was either in a rush or avoided me. Now my question, should I just walk over to his house, knock on the door, and ask Bert point-blank if he's still interested in doing the job, or should I just contact someone else? My wife thinks that since we've been neighbors for over 20 years that I will be offended if I, uh, he'll be offended if I hire someone else. I think he'll be relieved. What do you think?
1: I think you walk over and knock on the guy's door. Shannon? I think he's telling you already he doesn't want to do the job. Uh, Right.
2: I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're just your neighbor for twenty years, uh, you know, guy to guy, you know, me, I, everyone, men are different. I'm I'm from the Northeast. I know mm-hmm. you're from Minnesota, but
0: Detroit though, where I that's yeah. where I went to undergrad. Okay, med so school, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, this, call it out.
2: Yeah, we just say like, dude, mm-hmm. are you gonna do this or what? Right. I mean, it would be that simple. Like, yeah, I don't think guys with this kind of stuff would get as emotional. But if you don't address it, then it's gonna fester, and you're gonna start getting pissed, and you're gonna end up like you know, throwing snowballs at his house or something.
0: Uh, I go was ahead. gonna say this sounds like like every other contractor I've ever worked with. Though, really, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they never
2: say no. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's true. But you know what happens with me is, and I have a lot of professional people like that do construction and stuff that are friends of mine. And actually, my builder is a very dear friend of mine. I don't like to ask them. I don't because of this and because it's you don't like they always friends and, right. and stuff. They he always offers. say to me, "Oh, car, yeah. no, dude, i I'll, I'll, no care, I'll take care of it for you. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it." And then I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and mm-hmm. waiting. And then I get pissed off because I'm like, well, are you coming? Are you not coming? Should I be calling somebody? So now I don't even ask them. I don't, even if they come over and they'll be like, hey, Karen, what are you doing? I'll say, I'm fixing this or that's got to be fixed. They'll be like, yeah, I'll take care of that. No, dude, I, it's okay. I already called somebody. I lie.
2: I got the answer and I know what to do. You go up to them and say, obviously, you're a little too busy for this. Can you recommend someone else to do it for me? Uh, you know, I don't want to. And it's all cool, and I got no hard feelings. But can you recommend can you recommend someone mm-hmm. else? Don't tell oh, me. That's your, a good one. Don't tell me you're gonna do it. If he starts saying, "Oh no, no," it's like, "No, it's okay, dude. I know you're busy. And I know you mean well, but just can you recommend someone else?"
1: That's all right. All. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you on that one.
2: And move. And immediately. Move. And then move immediately. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get out of my neighborhood. <laughs> I don't like you anymore, Bert. Okay. Bert. All right. Let's move on. Email number two. Dear O T M, is it wrong to ignore someone you you hate or don't like? I have a girl in my class I really don't like. She bullies other kids, pushes everyone around, and thinks she is cool. She never really talked to me before, but for some reason now she started uh, with me. She started with me. She says stuff like, hey, what's your name? Why are you always looking at me? Or, hey, didn't anyone uh, ever tell you it's rude to ignore people? I know this is going to explode because I've seen her do this with other kids. She's so messed up. I just avoid or ignore her, but for some reason she takes my staying quiet and ignoring her as a threat. What should I do? Signed, sixth grader
1: ignore until it gets out of hand and then tell the teacher it's a tough spot or tell your mother you have to you know what this is the deal it is a very tough spot and we've all been in this spot i mean there's been people and she sees the pattern smart girl by the way or i guess it's a girl but smart kid sees the pattern of what this girl's doing and the girl's not getting attention anymore from the people she bullied or it's boring or she's over it now she's going to bully you go to somebody about it that's my suggestion I, you know, if they can find common ground, though, sometimes you find like if he approached
0: her and was like, hey, do you want a piece of gum? Hey, you want I got you want to. She might just soften right now and think, oh, good. He does really like me. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe right? she's afraid he doesn't like her.
2: You know, uh, it's funny. We all have these. We know these people in our lives that have that personality that just everyone likes them. Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're one person who gets along with every group. And, you know, it, and we'd all like to we'd all like to be that. I was not that person. But we'd we'd all like we all admire that person, especially later in life. You realize mm-hmm. like it's. It's, hard. it's tough to teach a sixth grader that to, you know, either kind of have it naturally or you don't.
0: And you don't want to peak in sixth grade. That's what I tell my kid. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if you're po- if you're really, really the favorite in high school, you know, and you, you kind of peak too soon. I like you're that. a disappointment at the reunion. So <laughs> give them something to look Ooh. forward to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's me at the 30th anniversary. Oh, remember Seth, he had hair. Oh, man.
0: <laughs>
1: Well, no, or what is our suggestion to her? Just talk to somebody about it, right? Don't let it or just try, you know, try to be, be nice. Try to be nice. Yeah.
2: It, it, you kill them with kindness, right? Gum. 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 Gum's a big one. Okay,
1: food. Doctor says gum.
2: Fortnite. Food yeah. is big. Just <laughs> say, hey, we should play Fortnite sometime. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sixth grade's a perfect day. <laughs> somebody eyeshadow. turn
1: off his mic. <laughs> 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 that's
2: probably really good advice. Okay. Last email of the day. Dear One Tough Mother, I hate Facebook. I used to be on it a lot. I talked to all my friends, bought things online, and liked following other people. But seven months ago, because of my ex-boyfriend, I had to deactivate my account. But I have a question. Last week on your show, you said you could never really quit or delete Facebook. What do you mean?
1: You can't. No. First of all, you have to understand, and I've always said this to my kids because my kids grew up as as computers were really becoming popular. Once you push enter on a computer, it lives and breathes forever. It goes from your computer to a central server somewhere in this country. I know the central server for the East Coast, because I had to deal with this in a lawsuit years ago, is in Virginia. So it goes through a central server there. Now, I'm sure there's since that lawsuit many, many years ago, there's probably... 10 times more central Mm -hmm. servers around. But it's going to live and breathe somewhere and it will be able to be tracked down at some point. The same with text messaging on your phone which people didn't realize and didn't know <laughs> when I found that out from a lawsuit. When you text message somebody on your phone, again, it's going through a central server somewhere. Uh, Verizon has a cloud. The cloud is not owned by, by Verizon. It's owned by somewhere else. So all of that stuff is floating around, and it can be retrieved. Yeah. And it is. it has been retrieved for lawsuits. So you got to be careful what you put out there. And um, if you think that you delete your Facebook, you turn on Facebook off, you take your profile down you get your files from Facebook whatever the case may be dude whatever you wrote on Facebook prior to all the stuff that you did to get off of Facebook is going to be there frightening yeah it's a little frightening. good thing but, that we didn't have social media when I was a kid me, me too tell
0: me
2: about it i have been trouble um, I think for her for her Deactivating her account, I don't know how deep she wants to go, but you, nobody can look at the average person's not going to see your stuff or anything anymore when you deactivate. So, right, I think she, if she, maybe she's a little worried about that. I think if you're deactivated on the for a regular person, you should be okay.
1: Right, right. Well, she was asking about last week because I said that last week. And
2: you know, there, there are other things you can do also. To, if you, if you enjoyed Facebook, you can mm-hmm. block people. You know, we mm-hmm. know this. You can block people from seeing your stuff. So. If this boyfriend's bothering you online or anything, you can easily block them. Right, right. Yeah.
1: Well, just, again, this is just a precautionary situation or precautionary um, comment. Please, whatever you put on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, Snapchat, Snapchat, any of those things, know they can and will be searched if, there, if there's need to be. And... There's no way that you can deny them, honestly, because I've been through things where it's amazing that people have your information.
2: Or just don't do anything stupid online.
1: That, you know? Yeah, I mean. I know we're
2: young and we all would have done, like you said, you're glad it wasn't around when you were younger, doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's we a were, lot of
0: keyboard confidence. People say and do things with the, the confidence of a keyboard and the anonymity, but then it it's out there.
2: It's like even safer than like, you know, when you get mad when you're driving, you know, mm-hmm. cause we all of a sudden we have this like, uh, Oh yeah. A couple tons of steel with us. We feel real strong. We're driving and everybody gets a road rage. But this is like even easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cause then they got that person who challenges you on the road and then all of a sudden it's it scary.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's watch what you say, watch what you do. Just don't put things out there just to put them out there. Just, just know that and no you know, calling somebody out or being a bully or any of that stuff, it's going to be there.
2: It's yeah, there. Not to open up a whole other conversation, but. This is kind of stuff I think schools need to start uh, talking about mm-hmm. curriculum-wise, about you know the, the pitfalls and and the, and the dangers of. Uh, doing things online and everything it's like life lessons
0: kids in general are more unhappy I don't know what the percentage is but it's attributed to social media because people who are excluded or view their life as boring or uneventful or that they're unliked they see all these this false performance of this perfect life being played out on the screen of social media and it contributes to depression especially among adolescents but there's times even when I see it I go
1: why didn't I get invited to that (laughs) you know you feel bad, I agree
2: with you, and mm-hmm. that's why we have to be careful with our kids' social media,
1: right? So, today's mother says, Is it is, and it's actually a quote by Oprah. Oh, I Isn't love that Oprah, broad. I brought up Oprah. So, it says, You get in life what you have the courage to ask for. True story, right? Yep, don't be afraid, right? Because everybody has a problem with the, the ask. But you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. So go out there and ask. And you never know what you're going to get. Thank you, Dr. Klingman. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming from Minnesota. What a fun thing. I'm going to go to Minnesota and see what it looks like. I've been there. Is it fun? It's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I've been to Detroit only. 10,000 lakes. 10,000 lakes.
2: I I took my mom to the Mayo Clinic and I pulled over just to look at the stars. She was scared to get out of the car. My mom was like, "She, she actually was mad later that she didn't get out of the car." I said, "I just wanted to get out and look at the sky." It was just, uh, you know, unbelievable. It's.
1: So. it's I went. I went to Detroit and drove up and down Eight Mile. I love Detroit. Too. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. That was my big. And you big put your big hood big on did. and started rapping. No, yeah. I just. I had an appointment. I had to go talk to somebody in Detroit, and that was my whole game plan. Was to take that car and just drive up and down Eight Mile, just so I could say I did it because I love Eminem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's okay. been a great show. Thank you, Dr. Clemen. <laughs> everybody check out Lumi. L-U-M-E. It's great stuff. I'm I love it. it. I'm using it. Seth, come over and sniff me see if I smell. I'm Talk to, to you that. everybody soon. Have a good week.